1: That's 800-470-7113.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, live from the West Coast, it's time for Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Your inside look into combat sports, brought to you by the WBO the World Boxing Organization. Pedro, let me me say congratulations
3: on your long time in radio. You are your team and for your ratings. Man, I was reading about that. I'm very uh, impressed with you, Pedro.
2: And now, the host of the longest-running fight show in radio and Internet history.
4: I don't want to
5: to predict this fight, but, you know, I'm going to promise that I I can give a good fight, you know, to make people happy, and uh, I
2: I just do my best. Pedro Fernandez. If I can't teach you one way, I'll teach you another, but I'm going to get the job done.
6: Namaste, caballeros. Bienvenidos. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Corona's virus studio somewhere in, we'll call it Parts Unknown, California. Straight up, my name is still Pedro Fernandez. Of course, we're doing the show. Low key, meaning not going into the studio, something I've done in the past, but it's a bit awkward because you can't look the producer in the eye and scream at him and throw stuff at the window when things go wrong and that kind of good So, So you sort of, I'm on his own, I'm on my own here trying to do a live broadcast. He's on his own trying to put it together. Bottom line is we will put together two hours of solid, entertaining radio for you today on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network, of course, iHeartRadio and SiriusXM XM Satellite Radio Channel 211, the Dan Patrick Channel. Now, who the hell am I? My name is Pedro Fernandez. I'm an award-winning writer, four-time Golden Glove champion, finished number 13 in the Olympic year. I'm talking about 1984, so I sort of dated myself to tell tell you what's going on. I know a little bit about boxing history. We'll talk about boxing today, of course, with the godfather, the retired HBO godfather, Mr. Larry Merchant, but I'm not going to push him on boxing today. Uh, Let me take that back. I'm not going to push him on boxing. I'm going to push him on baseball, the NFL NBA, stuff like that. I mean, the guy's been covering sports since, like, the late 19... 19- Take that back to the 1940s. I think it was known. The Korean War, he was assigned to the uh, the Army's newspaper. And I think that's how he got going as far as a journalist was concerned. But the bottom line is, Larry Merchant will be here in hour number one. And, of course, in hour number two, Mr. Boxing. I'm talking about Lenny Williams, the man with a smooth voice, with man with an excellent boxing acumen. He will join us in hour number two. Ring Talk live worldwide on Sports Byline. Line. This is a Sunday edition, two hours. Stay tuned.
0: You missed the winning dunk and cost your team the championship. What are your thoughts? Well, I switched to Boost Mobile and got a super-fast network and four free Samsung Galaxy A20 phones, so even when we lose, I still win. It was an easy, fast break, and no one was near you you know what's fast boost mobile super fast network they're calling your shot the greatest miss in history boost mobile's prices are never a miss i even get four lines for 25 dollars per line per month oh look at
7: that the fans are burning your jersey
0: Yup, the fans get it my boost mobile network is in fuego
7: Switch to Boost Mobile and get four lines for $25 per line per month with unlimited data and four free Samsung Galaxy A20 phones, all on our super reliable, super fast network. Step up with Boost Mobile. New customers only. Limited time offer while supplies last. Requires one port from eligible carrier and activation. One free device per line. Customers who use more than 35 gigabytes of data during a billing cycle will be deprioritized during times of network congestion. Offers and coverage not available everywhere. See BoostMobile.com or retail for full details.
8: At 28, I had struggled with opiate and meth addiction for 12 years. I did and said things that the sober me never would have done. One day I realized I was not invincible. I was not exempt. And that's when a friend told me about Elite Rehab Placement. They gave me the tools I needed to get sober, and all it took was the one phone call.
1: That's 800-754-4531.
9: Here comes the decision now. Let's listen.
6: Clarity in the world of professional boxing is spelled WBO. That's right. The World Boxing Organization is boxing's only transparent, sanctioned body. You can follow the WBO on Facebook or check out their website, wboboxing.com this is wboboxing.com the world boxing organization done it. we have a new heavyweight champion in the world
2: now more of ring talk with pedro fernandez
7: dr fernandez outside call on line 9 dr fernandez outside call on line 9
6: you know I'm not a doctor, but I play one on the radio once in a while. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. You're inside looking the world of boxing, MMA, of course 35, make that 36 years now, of being often imitated but never duplicated. Of course, the world of combat sports, the world of sports at large is is frozen because of the coronavirus. Actually, the entire world is frozen. One-third of the world is on a stay home type of order, but the bottom line is we're going to try to talk sports for the next couple hours. Of course, we've got the godfather Larry Merchant on the hold in just a couple of minutes. So we'll bring in him. We'll probably, probably talk about baseball and of course a little boxing, a little NFL, a little major league baseball. And man, this guy's, he goes back so far. He goes back so far. He covers so many people. I mean, since the, since the Korean War and that's like 1952, Larry Merchant has, has had his pulse on the boxing and sports world as put together. So we'll talk with Larry Merchant in depth in a couple of minutes here on the sports byline broadcast network. Hour number two guy that came from the South. and yeah, He came from the South, started a box a little bit. And his mother sort of pushed him to school and that kind of good stuff. Got his bell rung one time. I'm we'll talking about platinum recording artist, Mr. Lenny Williams, my good friend, of course, since 1974. And people, you know, people chuckle when I say, yeah, I know Lenny. You know Lenny Williams? You know Len- Yeah, yeah. You, you know, because cause he's in Northern California. He's a bit of like an iconic figure in the community. And, of course, I'm not talking about just for his singing. I'm talking about his his benevolence. I mean, he gives back, he does benefits here and there. He did a benefit. I think every year for this Oakland, I can't remember what Oakland charitable cause it was, but every year Lenny was there doing this thing, making money, raising money for the group. And of course I was there a couple of different times, but you know, at the end of the day, nobody gives more back, I think than Leonard Williams. So we'll talk with Lenny in-depth an uh, in hour number two of ring talk live worldwide open phone lines if you'd like to impart you can 1-800-878-7529 that's 1-800-878-7529 of course the guilt-free no commitment text line and you can cuss on that one because this is fcc radio so you can't swear on the radio but you want to send me a text and like grip me up or say something if you want to applaud or whatever you want to do it's cool text number 415-275-1613 the studio text line once again one Four one five 275 163 I'm laughing about the studio because, you know, I broadcasted all around the world. I remember one time, I think I was broadcasting yeah, from Malaga, Spain, and I fell asleep during the, uh, during the, uh, the news, and the guy woke me up with the music. He's screaming out here, Pedro, 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 Pedro. if I realized, hey, where I'm at? Yeah, I'm in the hotel from hell. I think it was a hotel. I, it was a horrible hotel. Anyway, they sent me with horrible accommodations and, I fell asleep during the news, and it was a bit of a joke, so we had a good time there. And, of course, there was a time in Peru where I was broadcasting for an hour and a half, and I wasn't on the air. In other words, I mean, it just wasn't broadcasting. They told me I was broadcasting, but evidently weren't going across. So the bottom line is we've had some fun broadcasting from the People's Republic of China. I think in 1993, being the first sports show to ever come out of the People's Republic of China, both live. And, of course, I did the the, uh, live first boxing match there since 1951 talking to Leonzo Barber defending the WBO Light Heavyweight Championship in the main event. Of course, that was the brawl at the wall. Muhammad Ali was there. That was the first trip I made abroad with Ali. I will make a couple later. But that was an amazing event, the brawl at the wall. Boxing had never been in China, not live, since 1951, in the Mao tongue communist takeover. So we went over there, and we did this deal, and we we're going to bring boxing there. We did a couple of deals. The first deal fell apart when this lawyer from Seattle stole all the money and ran off. His name was Bill Wheeler. And Bill, if you're listening— he still owe me a few bucks, um, but anyway, of course, it progressed. Things, uh, the card progressed. We ended up doing this great big show, like about seventeen thousand people in this big hall in Beijing. Of course, so they never had sports there before. And then I did my show I no, did my show on a three-line comics, and the Chinese government. I will say this. They set me up with three phone lines. They set me up with anything I wanted. My own tour guide, the whole nine yards. But get this what the tour guide was a government agent. I mean, there was no doubt about it. These guys were taking notes on us. We didn't want to have a tour guide with us, so I sort of ducked the government agents there in, uh, in, in most of China and Beijing and did my own thing, had a great time in Beijing, no doubt about that. Now, a man that's been around the planet, no doubt about that a few times, the retired HBO godfather, Mr. Larry Merchant. A very good morning to you, sir. And... Good morning to you, sir. You know, I was I was thinking that I was going to press you on things. We got the baseball season was supposed to start, I think, today, and it didn't start because the obvious plight the uh, it, the the uh, world's wide situation regarding the coronavirus almost stuttered there, stumbled. Um, when you look back at Major League Baseball and, and all the time that you've been looking at Major League Baseball, what what are, like, like four or five, six moments that really stand out to Larry Murch as far as baseball history is concerned? Whoa.
3: (laughs) Uh, It's a little bit of a hard one. Um, I know. Actually, in 1942, uh, the season after Pearl Harbor and the U.S. entering the war, which had begun in uh, Europe in 1938-39, like, um, I went to a World Series game. Um, at that time, uh, we had a war pandemic, but at home, um, they were trying to, for everything to be as normal as possible, and so things weren't shut down, and uh, life was going on, at the same time as uh, the war and the horror was going on. Um, so But I remember that game. I was uh, 11 years old, and uh, Joe DiMaggio, your San Francisco boy, oh boy. Uh, was playing uh, center field for the Yankees. Um, and the Cardinals won the game and won the World Series in a big upset. Uh, Other moments. Uh, uh, Seeing Jackie Robinson play for the first time, um, 1947 when he was a rookie. Mm
10: -hmm.
3: Um, I saw Babe Ruth when I was a boy of about seven, um, and he was coaching for the Dodgers at first base and cavorting around, and clapping, and clowning, and they had brought him in for public relations late in the season to try to juice up um, uh, their crowds. Yeah. Um, I saw, later saw Babe Ruth, well, two things. One, I um, haven't been born in the Bronx, and born into a fan of Yankee fans, I was I was definitely a Yankee fan, Um, but I clearly recall the famous uh, goodbye speech of Lou Gehrig, uh, known as the Gettysburg Address of Baseball, Mm -hmm. where uh, I didn't quite understand why everybody was so solemn. It just seemed to me like they were saying farewell to a great baseball player, but Adults knew that he had had what later became known as Lou Gehrig's disease and he would die a couple of years later. So I was there for that. I was also at Yankee Stadium when Babe Ruth basically was saying goodbye to baseball. Um, He was dying. Um, I was then around uh, maybe 17 Mm -hmm. uh, and he came to Yankee Stadium and uttered the immortal words of baseball, the greatest game ever invented. Uh, You
6: you um, know, a friend of mine had a Babe Ruth baseball that was signed by Babe Ruth. It was autographed, and and he took it out to play. And I said to him, you know, your dad's not going to dig that. And he took it out to play. So, so I want to have no part of that. I just said, I honest to Godfather. I just said, man, I want no part of this one. You're not hanging this one on me. So he went out there and he scuffed up a Babe Ruth baseball. His father almost, I will say this. This is back in the days when you could smack your kid. Okay. He, <laughs> yeah, you know where I'm coming from on that one, right? The kid was like, yeah, he was a little bruised.
3: Um, other, <laughs> other. You know, I'm remembering, you know, meeting Willie Mays um, uh, and the great stars of uh, that that era, Hank Aaron and so forth, who I covered when I was a columnist in Philadelphia, New York, Mickey Mantle, um, and so forth. Um, I hung out with DiMaggio a little once, trying to get a story out of him, Try to talk him into doing a book with me, but he said he'd been asked many times, and he didn't want an autobiography. Um, Let me think more baseball, baseball, baseball. I mean, there were just so many things. Uh, Coming out to um, the World Series or the playoffs, I don't recall, uh, when the Dodgers were playing in the uh, L.A. Coliseum in their first year in Los Angeles.
6: 58?
3: Um, I wasn't a Dodger fan, but I I felt the pain of of all of my friends who were Dodger fans. a fa- There was a famous joke at the time. If Walter O'Malley, who was the owner of the Dodgers and who brought them to Los Angeles... And Hitler and Stalin were in a room, and and you had a gun with two bullets, who would you kill? And the answer is, Walter O'Malley twice.
6: (laughs) Oh, you are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. We'll check things out with Larry Merchant a little bit more on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network after the break boys. The Godfather of Soul, James Brown, taking us to the break. Open phone lines around the planet, one 800 That's one 800 878 Or the Guilfrey No Commitment text line, 415-275-1613. That's 415-275-1613. From parts unknown, this is Ring Talk Live Worldwide.
2: James, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. But I might have been given a bad break, but I've got an awful lot to live for.
11: Baby, 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 baby,
10: baby I got the-
0: 800-439-7851. 800-439-7851 800-439-7851 800-439-7851 800-439-7851.
2: Now more of Ring Talk. With Pedro Fernandez.
12: What are some of the other things that you're doing to prepare for this fight? I'm um, masturbating seven times a day. Seven, seven <laughs> times. Seven times. <laughs> keep me testosterone pumping, 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 pumping it up. Don't you know? <laughs> that's, that's a lot. Of <laughs> yeah, listen. Got to keep. I've got to. Got to keep active and uh, testosterone flowing for this fight. <laughs> Don't want the levels to go down. Lineal champion that revert to. Yes. Yes.
10: Ah! I, knew that I wouldn't
6: Okay, Godfather, can you comment on Tyson Fury and what he just said, please <laughs>
3: <laughs> Well I couldn't uh, hear or interpret what he just said.
10: Okay, he uh, said but the, I just uh, think
3: he's he's the, the greatest heavyweight showman since Muhammad Ali, well, clearly, in his own individual way, coming from his own, uh, unusual background, let me say. Uh, we've never seen a a big man as agile and as he is, uh, and as dominant as he can be in the ring. Um, he's an extraordinary personality. Uh, I don't know if it will catch on. He will ever catch on in the U.S. Um, we're, we're looking for the next American heavyweight champion. But he is uh, more than one of a kind. I'll put it that way.
6: You know, he belongs to a, a sector, a group of Irish called the Irish Travelers. And that means the, quote, walking people, end of quote. Um, does he still live in like? Does he still travel or does he have a house? Do, I mean, I thought he had a house. I thought he was like settled, had a residence.
3: No. Well, I've heard. Uh, I I think I've heard that he he does have a house. Um, he is married. I don't know how many or whether he has children, but he also has a wagon, uh, their means of transportation. And they were gips. They're, they're a, a kind of gypsy, um, and they travel in in wagons. And um, apparently, he still keeps one. I don't know how often he lives in it or travels with it anymore. Um, but, you know, that's his world. And I'm sure in the time between fights, he spends a lot of it with his uh, friends and relatives from that world.
6: Um, I, I, I'm sort of, I'm sort of, I, I don't, I, I'm like blown away by the whole Irish travelers. I, I studied that a couple of years ago. I looked into it a couple of years ago when, when Tyson Fury first really came on the scene and I was like blown away by that lifestyle, but he was King of the gypsies. That's sort of how he got started. They would fight amongst themselves. And of course he was a bigger, the biggest guy amongst them. But well, that's apparently, how...
3: apparently his father was a, uh, a boxing so, champion among the travelers. And they, that there was a particular, if I can call them tribe uh, of travelers who were into boxing and would hold tournaments and exhibitions and so forth. And he emerged out of that culture. And uh, emerged big
6: time. You know, one of the last interviews of Manuel Stewart, our good friend Emmanuel Stewart, the Gold Father, the man of course the started the Kronk gym in Detroit, Michigan, an electrician at trade, I can keep going on about different Things about Emmanuel Stewart because I just love him still to the day and I can remember his cell phone numbers. Anyway, bottom line is Emmanuel Stewart said that Tyson Fury was the best heavyweight in the world. He said this in 2012, a few months before his passing. So his health was bad; he knew it. And, and, and you know what? And, and 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 not only did did he um did he say that Tyson Fury was the best heavyweight of this this generation, but he went on and he graded other heavyweights, something he had never done before. And when I look back at it now, Godfather, I realize that he realized that time was not on his side. So in other words, he was gonna get in the Emmanuel Stewart words before
3: it was time to go. Well, I, I had discussions uh with him about that. He, uh, he and I went around, I he 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 understood how important Joe Lewis was as the first black hero. Mhm in the United States of America. But he felt that Lewis uh, was was uh, spoon-fed through the heavyweight division and didn't meet a lot of top guys, and when he met the top guys, he had some problems, et cetera, et cetera. But I, he and I disagreed about that. Um, but I think more contemporaneously, Uh, we have to remember that uh, he trained Vladimir Klitschko Mm
10: -hmm.
3: and so when he was praising Tyson Fury uh, it was in the background of the Klitschko's reign as heavyweight champions Um, and he was assessing Fury as a fighter versus I think the Klitschko's as well as the as few uh, – may, maybe as well as Lennox Lewis, who he also trained. Is um, that, did,
6: did he have a longer run at heavyweight than anybody else? I mean, with those two guys right there, those two long-reigning champions, as far as all-time trainer concerned, you think in the amount of years he, he's got them on
3: years? Um, as a trainer of the heavyweight champions – Well, I don't know because he came in uh, uh, at different parts of their careers Mm -hmm. and usually later in their careers uh, and worked with them. I I wouldn't say he – I don't know the history of that. There are not too many trainers who have had more than one heavyweight champion. So in that sense, he came in as a sort of – a doctor of training, uh, late in their careers, to revive them, uh, and and I I remember having conversations with him about him and Lennox Lewis and what he was going to try to do with them, and I always try try to tell him don't cha- don't try to change their styles, just modify it a little bit because their styles are uh, are in the, in their muscle memories and their, their styles are connected to who they are as athletes and people, and you can't change somebody that much uh, late in his career. But in any event, he did great with Lennox Lewis and uh, and with the Klitschkos.
6: Yeah, and, and you know, I remember as, as an amateur, having been an amateur way back then, um Tommy Hearns couldn't he couldn't punch a lick. I mean he couldn't punch a lick. And I asked him man one time, how could you turn a guy that couldn't punch a lick? I mean, couldn't punch his way out of a wet paper bag, I'm serious, into a guy that has like 48 KOs and 61 wins amongst four or five different weight divisions. And he said, I basically put a couple of pounds on Tommy and made Tommy learn how made Tommy I made Tommy fight off his back foot, pushing that right foot off that right hand off his back foot and of course the Thomas the Hitman Hearns one of the leg- most legendary punches of all time but he can not only like take guys that were already established and make them better he also brought guys out of the crib
3: yeah because Hearns was a, a, a young guy coming out of the pros coming out of the amateur ranks where he was a star uh, so he was still malleable and changeable um and look, Emmanuel was Emmanuel, he was uh, wh- another one of those people I referred to as one of a kind.
6: No doubt about that. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. The Godfathers agreed to stick around. You are tuned to the longest running fight show in history, Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Let's come to you. Sundays 11 a.m. Pacific time on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network. This is hour number one of two. Hour number two will bring in platinum recording artist, the man with the incredibly deep and rich boxing acumen, Mr. Lenny Williams. You are tuned to Ring Talk on Sports Byline. That's just a sobering
4: thought.
0: I like them both. I like them pride. Like and when they walk no, know they don't crowd see
1: You got to have a mother for me
10: Yeah, yeah, yeah Come on Look here.
9: So check us out on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Byline USA. There's a blitzing
2: Roquan Smith as Stafford goes to work. In trouble. And down he goes. Roquan comes flying in like the missile he is from Montezuma, Georgia. Sacks Stafford on third and nine. Now more Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez.
6: Little NFL, there going to switch gears and talk the National Football League and its history. Of course, with the retired HBO Godfather, Mister Larry Merchant. And Larry, the two greatest players I think I ever saw. I thought, as far as a running back was concerned, Jim Brown stands alone. And as quarterback, I got to cover Joe Montana when I was doing some radio here in San Francisco, and that was that was an experience, no doubt about that. Your feelings on those guys?
3: Well, I knew Jim Brown. Uh, pretty well, covered many of his games. He was everything that everyone says about him. Uh, we have to remember, he was a 230 pound uh, running back uh, with, with a, uh, exceptional speed for a big man. Uh, and linebackers in those days might weigh less than him. Um, <laughs> and so I mean, he would just run over people and uh, um, handle the ball 20 times a game uh, and uh, survived uh, that uh, rigorous program for many years. So he was a truly exceptional and a smart guy, too. Um, I once sat alongside of him on a plane ride from somewhere to somewhere else, and he talked about the... The gangs he tried to work with, and um, and 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 reconstruct uh, them uh, into private citizenry, etc. Um, he he devoted himself to a lot of good causes uh, in his later career. Um, I also remember talking to him about the famous Billie Jean King-Bobby Riggs match because he and I played at the same tennis center, public uh, tennis center in uh, West Los Angeles. Um, And he had picked Bobby Riggs to beat her, and I poked some fun (laughs) at him and so forth. And he said at the end, well, look at her legs. She's got the legs of a man. He couldn't, he couldn't quite come make it, make it all the way around to just saying uh, she was better than he was at that stage of their careers. Um, he's still around. Yeah. Uh, he is in that ancient cavalry of great black athletes with Bill Russell, uh, Kareem. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, Oscar Robinson um, and so on, and uh, Muhammad Ali. Yeah, well, it, it, they were <clears throat> bigger f- and, and and faster than athletes before them, and they changed the nature of the games. Um, I didn't cover a lot of Joe Montana games. I covered, went to one Super Bowl. Uh, down in San Diego, I think, where he put where he won, um, but he was outstanding, and I and I always felt he didn't have the the gun pa- the the gun power of of uh, many other quarterbacks. He he wasn't as he didn't throw the ball as well as uh, a Dan Marino or a Joe Namath, but he was a champion, and he. He uh, he won championships.
6: You know, <clears throat> Jim Brown, I asked him one time, I said, you know, I said, you always got up like you, like you were dead, like you were like, oh, this is the last play. Jim's going to walk off the field. He got up really slow. He said, that's because I was playing games on people. I said, what do you mean playing games on people? He goes, well, he goes, if I got up that way every time, you couldn't tell whether I was really hurt or whether I was just faking it. So I just faked it the entire time.
3: Yep, he was he was well known for that, um, and you know had had a lot of personal challenges on the field. I um, once, having been a, a high school football coach, um, er, earlier I I once taunted Brown in, in a column about the fact that. Here he was, this big, fast uh, athlete, and he, he, he rarely would block. And I was amazed. Um, when a, Back in those days, they would block for each other in the sense that if Jim Brown blocked for the other guy and made the other guy do better, the other running back, then the defense couldn't concentrate all on Jim Brown. Uh, And he told me in the dressing room once that I was full of it. And and I realized that he was right in the sense that uh, he handled the ball so much and took so much punishment because every defense was geared to try to stop him. Mm-hmm. Um, that to ask him to also engage in blocking uh, both for the passers, or the quarterbacks, and for the other running backs might have diminished him as a runner. Um, without, and that, without a doubt. And that, so, uh, but I once asked a famous Cleveland Browns lineman about it. And... um what they thought of the fact that Brown wouldn't block, and uh, he he said to me, "We just like to leave Jim alone." <laughs> I agree. You know, when I
6: asked him, I said, "Why'd you retire from football?" He said, "Listen, he goes, they were giving me like less than a hundred thousand dollars a year to play football. He goes, and I was getting two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to do a movie with the possibility of sleeping with Anne Margaret." What choice would you make? So I said to him, "Next, <laughs> wait, next question out of my mouth was, did you sleep with Anne margaret
3: No comment. <laughs> well, I could tell you, I will tell you a story that I've never told before or ri- written in any official way. Before Ollie Fraser won, which was the greatest Biggest event I ever covered, and in which the fight itself uh, uh, exceeded the highest expectations we had of of the fight. So anyway, I knew Jim Brown was in town. I, um, but I was I was calling uh, a well known. Uh, maybe even famous uh, woman feminist at the time and I went up to uh, Jim was and, and I went up t- to uh, the hotel a hotel room and, I, and I'm, I don't remember whether I was going up to talk to her or to him but it was to my surprise that they were both together in that hotel and uh, so Jim Brown uh, was a was a formidable presence on and off the field,
6: and he still is as far as the civil rights movement and things like that. He's still a figure in the civil rights movement, of course, getting advanced in age. I remember one time when that one time where when I was with him in Oakland, California, he was wearing these shoes. And I thought they were Walmart shoes. I said, look at these shoes. I said to myself, the man's wearing like a $700 suit and these $10 Walmart shoes. And I couldn't figure it out. So then I met, I, I, I was, so I went, I went, I went, I was hanging out with a friend of mine that's a mailman. And I looked down at his feet and I said, those are Jim Brown shoes. And he goes, no, man, these are the ortho, these orthopedic shoes that we wear because we walk a lot. So anyway, he had bad feet. That's why he had. Spitty shoes on, Spitty with a with an H. That's why I had those lousy-looking shoes on was the fact he had bad feet. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I never heard that one either. I didn't 30- look down at his shoes when the, the two of them appeared at the door. <laughs>
6: <laughs> okay. Um, you know, as 2020, as we go into the abyss, the unknown, this and that, um... What 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 advice would you have for people having been on this planet a little bit? What advice would you have for for a family growing, a family trying to put it together right now with the uncertainty we have in the world?
3: Is that too much um, for you? Well, you know, it's a pretty big subject. Everybody has a way of dealing with crises in their own way, whether it's through prayer or. TV or um, eating ham sandwiches. I don't know. Uh, um, Everybody, but I think, uh, I know my wife and I have been um, uh, in sort of preparation for this moment without knowing it because we're oldish and we spend a lot of time at home. My wife has been sick for quite a long while. Um, and so we had, uh, and I don't know if I've said this to you before, I, I found out that we had a stash of about 50 rolls of toilet paper that she had been collecting over time It, it was in the garage. And this was before the pandemic. So we didn't have to get caught up in any um, hoarding, situation
6: <laughs> <laughs>
3: amazing amazing anyway Larry I'm, I'm I, rich I, I, in I, toilet I paper finish, that's one way to uh, deal with this pandemic
6: yeah well the pandemic is, is just out of pandemic and so many and, and you know it's it's funny is that I, I get out in the car a little bit and I drive and I don't, I don't interact with anybody in fact I got scared out of a lucky store Um, because the lines were too long and the people were too close and this kind of stuff. So I'm a little phobic as far as that's concerned. But you know, as I get out and I look around, some people are just not taking this too seriously, Godfather. I mean, they're like, you know, hanging out.
3: It's the best way to put it. Well, I guess it's you know, it's hard to feel that. uh, It's hard to feel that this thing is coming for for you specifically. Um, and people do feel invulnerable or that the odds are way against anything happening to them. Um, but something's going to happen to some of us. Um, and it's smart to just be smart about, uh, about it and uh, make the odds even longer that uh, you become a victim. But staying in, indoors or away from other people, it's ha- that's hard for us. And uh, not seeing our loved ones and so on, uh, that's that's not what humans do. Humans need each other for a variety of reasons. And um, we've got to hunker down now.
6: Okay. My last question for Larry Merchant, retired HBO Godfather: Did Jim Brown sleep with Anne Margaret?
3: (laughs) Uh, I don't know. You do?
6: (laughs) I'm not going to give Anne Margaret up on the the, the radio. The bottom line is, I love you. Say hello to the Godmama for me. We'll talk soon, sir.
3: Back at you
6: the great, the one, the only, the Hall of Famer, Mr. Larry Merchant on Sports Byline.
1: 877-360-0402 That's
14: 877 the products they offer. Increased income is possible using strategies suited to your goals and may require buying multiple annuities and holding them full term.
2: Now, more of Ring talk with Pedro Fernandez. And to you, Pedro, I hope I see you
6: ringside sooner than later, buddy. The great Nick Charles, of course, Mr. CNN, originally the first sports guy of the CNN, it was back in the 80s and then Later on, of course, he became the face of Showtime Championship Boxing. He passed away a few years ago. My buddy was with me until a couple of days before he died, before he sent me that last tweet. Oh, I love the boxing matches tonight. 48 hours before he died, he was watching the fights on TV and digging them. I'm talking about my man, Nick Charles. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Your inside looking the world of boxing and MMA, of course. Coming up, hour number two. Coast on live on sports violin iheart radio on sirius xm satellite radio the dan patrick channel channel 211 of course we're going to talk boxing with platinum recording artist lenny williams talk we'll talk community we'll talk benevolence we'll talk about giving back we'll talk about a man i think that i'm so proud of i'll just put it to you this way i'm proud to know him not too many musicians i know i know a lot of musicians and have for a long time but not too many actually i'm really proud to know i'm proud to know lenny williams and i hope to bring him to you in a very positive light. Now we're into a ring talk live worldwide. Of course, we do have open phone lines around the planet. You can join us if you like, if you dare. And those People say, if you dare. remember when Colin Seymour did that column on me in the San Jose Mercury News, that people were scared of me. If I call him up and say something, he's going to dog me. He's going to hang up on me. Well, you know, if you say something stupid, you might get Chastise, But this is Ring Talk Live Worldwide, give and take for 35, make that 36 plus years. Now, of course, the Sunday edition, two hours, will come to you 11 a.m. Pacific time, live on Sports Byline. Of course, come to you from the not Sports Byline studios in the city of By the Bay. Of course, we come to you from the coronavirus studios in the city of By the Bay. Take that back. Parts unknown, baby. Stay tuned for hour number two of Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Of course, you're inside the world of combat sports. My name is Pedro Fernandez. I hope you had a good time listening to this hour. Of course, we hope to entertain, inform, and of course, maybe piss you off a little bit. If we did one of the three, we've done our job. You are tuned to Ring Talk, live worldwide. Stay tuned, hour number two, after the break, with Lenny Williams.
14: Radio news with John Hunt. The United States is
11: advising residents of New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut not to travel domestically after the number of reported coronavirus deaths doubled to over 2,000 nationwide within two days. It took about a month from the first report of a coronavirus death on February 29th to the number reaching 1,000 on Thursday. By yesterday, the number of reported deaths had doubled. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention issued the travel advisory, urging the residents of those three states to refrain from non-essential domestic travel for at least 14 days effective immediately. And in North Carolina County is taking extreme measures to prevent coronavirus from spreading into its community. Dare County, a popular summer vacation area in the Outer Banks, has established checkpoints around the county to stop visitors and non-resident property owners from entering. Since March 17th, only permanent residents with proper identification has been allowed to enter the county. This is USA Radio News.
12: I was talking with a business colleague, Mark, down in Las Vegas. We were talking about other things. He said, by the way, I bought you my pillow. You did? He says, yeah, I went to MyPillow.com, used your promo code USA, and guess what? It's wonderful. I've had a great night's sleep, and you can have a good night's sleep, too. With somebody like Mark, who is so incredibly busy with all the things that he does, he needs a good night's sleep, and he gets one now with his MyPillow, just like I do. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the Radio Listener Special, and use my promo code USA. You can buy one, get one. Free special continues on the MyPillow Premium Pillow. 60-day money-back guarantee, 10-year warranty, washable, dryable. Get that with any other pillow. Yeah, right. Get it with your MyPillow Radio Listener Special. Go to MyPillow.com, use the Radio Listener Special, and use my promo code USA or call 1-800-951-8175 and get the best night's sleep of your life. The U.S.
11: Food and Drug Administration has authorized the emergency use of a new rapid coronavirus test that could give patients results in less than 15 minutes, can deliver results in as little as five minutes and negative results by 13 minutes. Other approved tests are able to provide results within hours or days. The company said it's ramping up production to deliver 50,000 tests to the U.S. healthcare system starting next week. If the coronavirus pandemic continues to make in-person voting impossible, conducting the 2020 presidential election by mail is not out of the question. Advocates say a massive expansion of vote by mail is technically feasible, but will require more time, money, and political willpower than is available with the 400 million included in Congress's new stimulus bill. An American presidential election has never been postponed or canceled, but a majority of poll workers are over the age of 60 at heightened risk for COVID-19, and health officials have discouraged crowds like the kind that are generally unavoidable at polling place. This is USA Radio News. That's 800-215-5141. A new poll has taken Americans' temperature when it comes to the coronavirus impact. Here's USA's Chris Barnes with more.
4: The new study reveals job loss and economic downturn are at the top of the minds of many Americans during this coronavirus emergency, a Pew Research Center survey finding that 33% of Americans say they or someone in their household lost a job or got hit with a pay cut because of it. The report says the losses are the result of the effects of business closures, shelter-in-place orders, and social distancing in place in many communities trying to curb the spread of the virus. The study also finds two of Americans across all major demographic and partisan groups believe the effect of COVID-19 will lead to a recession, or in some cases, a depression. For USA Radio News, I'm Chris Barnes.
11: Algerian police arrested Khalid Derini, a leading journalist and plans to charge him with attacking the integrity of the national territory, according to Reporters Without Borders, a press freedom group. Dorini became famous for his coverage of the protests, which shook Algeria for most of the last year, forcing their president to resign in April 2019. Dorini's arrest comes days after the jailing of another prominent opposition leader, Karim Tabu. The local authorities have also jailed many prominent figures, including businessmen and senior officials, on corruption charges. Keep yourself updated right here at USA Radio News.
2: And gentlemen, live from the West Coast, it's time for Ring Talk Live World Worldwide, your inside look into combat sports. So let it be written, so let it be done. Brought to you by the WBO, the World Boxing Organization. Pull up some dust and sit down. And now, the host of the longest running fight show in radio and internet history.
11: I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior I engaged in.
2: Pedro Fernandez. My advice to you, start drinking heavily. Namaste, caballeros, bienvenidos, and ladies and gentlemen,
6: welcome to the, kind of say, the Sports Byline Studios. Of course, we are not really in the studios, we're sort of like, in parts unknown. Somewhere in Northern California, we come to of course, for this hour number two of Ring Talk Live Worldwide on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network, iHeartRadio, and Sirius XM Satellite Radio, Channel 211, bottom line is... My name is Pedro Fernandez. Welcome to Ring Talk Live Worldwide, the longest running fight show in history. 35, make that 36 plus years now of being often imitated, but never duplicated. Hour number two, we'll bring in the platinum recorder. On us talking about Mr. Boxing himself, Lenny Williams. I'll push Lenny on some topics that, you know, maybe you don't want to push a singer on, but this is a boxing show. So we're going to push Lenny on boxing to the limit. He is a Put it this way, he's got quite a boxing acumen. In fact, he sits down with me, and we talk rich each time we talk pugilism. So Lenny will be here at about 20 minutes past the hour. Open phone lines all around the planet. You can join us if you like, if you dare, 1-800-878-7529. That's 1-800-878-7529. Or, or the free, No Commitment text line. i got a couple of texts I'll get to in this hour if I get the time, 415-275-1613. The text line, once again, here in the studio, 415 275 one six one three. Well, <clears throat> not good news, I guess, for Anthony. Yar, obviously, not for Anthony Yardy. Of course, he former light heavyweight challenger that took on I, what he, Didn't he take uh, anyway? He was Andre Ward's fighter. Of course, he failed in a bid for the light heavyweight championship a few months ago. Anyway, the bottom line is his father has died of this coronavirus. So we we wish him the we wish him sincere condolences. And all I can tell you is wash your hands and be as cool as you can. Bottom line is we don't know how this is gonna go. You are tuned to Ring Talk, Live Worldwide on Sports by Live, Radio Series, XM Salary and Obey. If you didn't know it by now, what can I say?
9: Here comes the decision now, let's listen
6: clarity in the world of professional boxing is spelled wbo that's right the world boxing organization is boxing's only transparent sanctioned body you can follow the wbo on facebook or check out their website wboboxing.com this wboboxing.com the world boxing organization
8: at 28 i had struggled with opiate and meth addiction for 12 years
1: That's 800-403-5912.
7: Isaac, you missed the winning dunk and cost your
0: team the championship. What are your thoughts? Well, I switched to Boost Mobile and got a super-fast network and four free Samsung Galaxy A20 phones, so even when we lose, I still win. It was an easy, fast break, and no one was near you. You know what's fast? Boost Mobile's super-fast network. They're calling your shot the greatest miss in history. Boost Mobile's prices are never a miss. I even get four lines for $25 per line per month.
7: Oh, look at that. The fans are burning your jersey.
0: Yup, the fans get it. My Boost Mobile network is in fuego.
7: Switch to Boost Mobile and get four lines for $25 per line per month with unlimited data and four free Samsung Galaxy A20 phones, all on our super-reliable, super-fast network. Step up with Boost Mobile. New customers only. Limited time offer while supplies last. Requires one port from eligible carrier and activation. One free device per line. Customers who use more than 35 gigabytes of data during a billing cycle will be deprioritized during times of network congestion. Offers and coverage not available everywhere. See BoostMobile.com or retail for full details.
9: Have you heard about podcasting? With podcasts, your favorite radio shows like Sports Overnight America and the Video Game Review are delivered directly to your computer automatically so you can listen when and where you want, as many times as you want. And it's easy, too. Just go to sportsbyline.com and click on the Get Podcast button next to the show you want. Visit sportsbyline.com today.
2: Well, I'm on Ring Talk, and as you know, this is one of the first shows that got onto the internet. Uh, my friend Pedro is a true fighter in his own, uh, his own, uh, mind, I should say. But he really is. I seen him exercising the other day, getting ready for somebody. I don't know who it is because everybody is taking shots at him. So I see him getting himself in good condition so that he could fire back. Never been one to say die. Never been one to hide out. He comes on damn the parpedos, full steam ahead.
6: I guess I should, uh, lay a little story behind that. We're at Gleason's Gym. You no, know, the Times Square Gym. In New York City. For, I think it was a WBC convention. There was a couple of guys in town. Bottom line, it was, I was in good shape. And I went in there and lit a couple of guys up. And Don said,
2: Whoa!
6: Don King said, Whoa. Bottom line, was, I was never good enough to deal with those guys in the pro ranks. I mean, the upper echelon. But I think I could have made a, a decent fighter. But you don't want to be a decent fighter. You want to be a championship fighter. In other words, when I got into the Golden Glove, you know, that that wasn't to to be in the Golden Gloves. I know, but, hey, man, I fought the Golden Gloves. No, no, I won the Golden Gloves four of the six years I was in all. That's what I'm trying to tell you is that you got to win Golden Gloves, not, not be him. I never wanted to be a participant. I'm not a participant. I always like to be a winner. Bottom line is, let's talk boxing just for a second, of course. Mikey Garcia, of course, trying to say he can't get a big title fight, at 140 pounds. Therefore, he has to fight at 147. Yeah, okay. Of course, coming off that knockout, of, I think I like the decision over Jesse Vargas four ago. Mikey looked pretty good mechanically, but then again, he's too small to fight, I think, at 147. He can beat the gatekeepers, but he can't beat the upper echelon at Welterweight. Ryan Garcia, the kid that I'm so in love with. Of course, undefeated now, 21-0. What do they call him? King Rye down there, Victorville, California on the coast. Got a good barbecue in that town. Anyway, he's knocking people dead. He knocked that Nicaraguan out the last time with one punch, fainted to one side like Sugar Ray Robinson. And boom just chill him just put him to sleep okay well he's gonna knock out Horky Linares if they ever fight of course this fight was scheduled for July but right now we really don't know what's happening in the world of combat sports or the world of sports at large the world at large I mean a third of the world is locked down so I guess that means that the listenership is going to build up a little bit as far as people not having something to do and even want to have some quality to do listen to ring talk live worldwide of course you can check us out 24 7 at iHeartRadio, the delayed shows are always at iHeartRadio. Check it out, iHeartRadio and Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Israel Vasquez talking about retiring after that first fight with Vasquez with, uh, or, uh, Rafael Marquez. Of course, Rafael Marquez and him went toe to toe. A lot of blood left in that ring and of course a lot of blood cells as well. That's what that's what I think a lot of you don't 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 grasp. You see these great fights, you know, where these guys like go out there and they and they and they beat the snot out of one another and they land these clean shots and they say you say, ooh ah, ooh ah ooh ah well there's a there's a price to pay for that ooh and ah on later. It just is you don't see it. I see it 5, 10, 15 years later, you know, when guys are retired, this and that, and they have problems like their hands shake or they or they can't tie their shoes right, and this and that, and so it's difficult for them to tie their shoes. And I'm talking about guys that, that aren't severely damaged. Yeah, I'm talking about severely damaged. Those guys I see both in football, of course, former NFL players, former college players. In fact, you know, some guys that I went to high school with, I never figured out why they were a little punchy. Until like that, you know, until we sort of concussion that kind of stuff sort of came out. And then I realized I right, take that back. The Mark Gasno interview back in nineteen ninety-two in Reno, Nevada, when I had Mark Gasno, of course, the former New York Jets uh sack artist. He was a defensive lineman. I think he made it to the Hall of Fame, might have. He was part of the sack exchange there in New York City, a big player, always on page six in the New York Post. I mean, he was a guy, but he was punchy and he hadn't thought much. So I'm standing next to him trying to do this interview. And I had to step on his foot to get his attention. I seriously, if you watch that interview I did on pay-per-view back in 92, I think it was April of 92, June of 92, something like that up in Reno, Nevada. But I stepped on his foot. I had to step on his foot to get his attention. This is live television. I kid you not. So I couldn't figure out what was going on until a little bit later. And I realized, you know, he's punch drunk, but it ain't from boxing. It's from football. So a lot of guys get hurt from football. Some of the guys I said went to high school with, I never understood why they were acting a bit queer, and I don't mean gay in a sexual manner, but that's what I think it was retributed to, uh, the repetition of getting hit with those helmets to helmets. Because you used to watch her go out there to practice, guys would be killing each other in practice, let alone in the games. Anyway, bottom line is contact sports. We need to take another look at it, of course, as far as if you're a boxing fan. I mean, how do you – and somebody said to me, can you make boxing any safer? Hell yeah! Make the gloves a lot smaller. Make the gloves a lot that 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 I think would be uh, uh, an attribute for an attribute. Why do I say that? Gloves smaller. What are you talking about? Are you nuts? Think about that. Smaller gloves. These guys are carrying ten and eight ounce gloves right now. Okay, you put a ten ounce glove on a guy that's two hundred forty pounds, ain't a big deal. Anyway, you put an eight ounce glove on a guy that's less than one hundred and sixty pounds. You know, how about bringing them down to like eight and six and four? I kid you not. Let the lighter weight fighters and the women especially fight with four ounce clubs. Because, because you know women boxing is about as as entertaining as um as entertaining as watching grass grow. I mean, without getting high. I'm serious. I mean it's just like it's just, man, it's like you want to pull your hair out, you want to keep a keep somebody a crack attic uh uh keep them awake, let them let them watch the women's boxing. It's horrible. It's the most unentertaining thing going. I can't believe that networks are still investing in it. That Carissa Shields chick. Who so says she's a pound for pound, uh, queen of boxing right now? She said she wanted to take on Leila Lee. Well, Leila Lee's like 95 years old, one on 100, and she was never that good to begin with. Of course, we had her on the show one night. I mean, you remember that? Uh, Cup Man remembers. We had, we had her on the show, and she, uh, she got snotty with me. Leila Lee, She got snotty with me. She was training in LA, and I think we had her on, it was like an eight o'clock show. It was an early show, a Sunday night. And I said, to whoa, Layla, you know, blah, blah, thanks for, thanks for spending some time with us. And she says something, you know, it's past my bedtime. You're lucky I stayed up. I was like, yeah, Exactly. So I said, well, you know what? Well, you can go back to sleep. We can end this right now. I'll let you go back to sleep right then and there. So then she sort of backtracked and sort of like cleaned it up. But the bottom line was Layla was a piece of work. Of course, I remember that time at Howard University. In Washington D.C., when I when I when I challenged her from the dice, of course Mike Tyson was there, Kevin McBride's was there was Mike Tyson's last fight, and you know she was talking about being the greatest women's boxer of all time, and she was doing this and doing that. So I said to her, "What about Ann Wolf?" And she said, "Who?" I mean that's sort of like saying if you're a heavyweight boxer, what about Ali, and not knowing who Ali was because like. I like Ann Wolf. They used to call her Man Wolf because she was like a monster. She, I think, she would like destroy you. She would destroy men. She used to beat men up in the gym. I saw videotapes of her lighting guys up—decent guys, guys who I don't really want to go into their names because I knew them growing up, and I think it would be a bit of an insult that that there are tapes where the tapes floating around at one point in time in the VHS days when you know, were getting lit up by Ann Wolf, a woman. Bottom line is, she was a great fighter. Lay Lee, not so great, of course. Big time with the attitude, but outside of that. You know, and, and I remember talking to Ali one time about his daughter boxing. And he wasn't, you know, he wasn't too high on that. But then again, she didn't get into too many, into too many real fights. So at that point in time, she was a, a bit of a protected warrior, a protective empress of boxing. No doubt about that. Open phone lines all around the planet. 1-800-878-7529. That's 1-800-878-7529. A couple of texts coming in here. Um, No, I listen. I'm not taking. I'm not. I'm not paranoid. Somebody said to me, "You're paranoid over, over this coronavirus thing." I'm not paranoid. Paranoid is being scared of something that doesn't exist. I'm scared of something that exists that I can't see. If you if you stance, if you if, if, if something endangers you that you cannot see that you can, I mean that you, that you don't know. I mean, how not can you be concerned? And some of my friends still aren't concerned. Some of them still working, both male and female, Hispanic and white. The black people have got this one down. They say, hey, "Hey, we ain't going out." Bottom line is, they're in the crib. But my my brown friends, my Hispanic friends that are hustling out there, they're still hustling. And a couple of guys and a couple of girls I know that, that clean houses, they're still cleaning houses. I it just, I mean, I I don't want to talk to them anymore. I, I, just don't. I feel like it's so irresponsible that I don't want it. I just, and she, I told the one girl, I said, you know, we're sort of cool, but what you're doing is not cool. She goes, what do you mean? I gotta make money. I said, do you have money? You have no, she goes, I got money in the bank. So we did, you don't need money right now. You don't, you're just, you doing this on greed. She goes, well, my people need me. No, what your 85 year old people need that you're cleaning their house is not to be infected by somebody that could be carrying this from house to, house to house to house to house. Bottom line is, Everybody is a carrier unless they're proven otherwise. Let me say that again for you. Just like in the AIDS thing, everybody is a carrier unless they're proven otherwise. If you keep it that way, chances are you can ride this one out. You're tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide on Sports Byline, iHeartRadio, Sirius XM, Satellite Radio.
2: Now more of Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez. I miss you a lot. It's been long enough. Can we talk? I don't want to give up on
6: love. What can I say? The one, the only, the voice, Mr. Lenny Williams in the house. Lenny, a very good afternoon to you, sir. How's the wife and the family?
5: Everybody's good. Everybody's good. Everybody's just, uh, you know, biding our time like everyone else and, uh, you know, just kind of waiting until we get out of this uh, coronavirus uh, situation. That that tune
6: sounded pretty good. That's the first time I've heard it. Of course, I've been in the closet a bit before. It, bit, bit no, it music. hasn't
5: even been released yet. You're the first person okay. to ever play it on the the radio. I, uh, and uh, it's not going to be released until April fifteenth. Uh, and so uh, you're the man. And, all right, Godfather, thank you so much. What's the name of the tune? It's called Say So.
6: Wow. So this is yeah. uh, is this going to be? Are you doing stuff on your
5: own label now? I mean, wh- how are you doing that? Yeah, I'm doing it on my own label. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's 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 fairly easy uh, to to do, and uh, you're you're in complete control, which could be a good thing or maybe not so good thing, you know. Uh, but uh, you know, it's just convenient, and uh, you know, big record companies aren't signing a lot of uh, people, and they definitely aren't signing a lot of artists, uh, you know, uh, in my age group. So uh, you know, you, do you just say uh, I'm washed up or I'm uh, I'm? A, I'm going to make this happen. So you know, you okay. just uh, a little American ingenuity, and you make it happen.
6: Okay, but but you still tour regularly, and and I mean, you've got a good following. I mean, I, every time I go to one of your shows, we're standing we're standing somewhere, we're standing up.
5: Oh yeah, yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm touring all the time. As a matter of fact, I I just uh, had about 20 shows get canceled <laughs> uh, due to the coronavirus. You know, so we're at home. Uh, you know, just like I said, you know, like all of everybody else. But uh, you know, then we just uh, started. Uh, working on new music and, you know, getting ready to put that out. Yeah. Just
6: how do you write a song? I mean, how do you write, what makes you, I mean, what, what brings about a song? Does it come with one, one, one little line and then you work off that? How do you do it?
5: Well, it comes a lot of different ways. Sometimes you get a melody or sometimes you'll be in a situation. I've got this song that, uh, it's called, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't know it was your mama. And uh, we were at a gig one night, and we took a break, and we passed uh, the band, and we were going to the dressing room, and we saw this uh, table full of beautiful ladies. And one of the guys in the band, you know, uh, wanted to introduce himself and, and holler at the girls. And I guess he said something that uh, that uh, kind of like tweaked one of the ladies the wrong way. And she says, "I don't appreciate you talking to her like that." Uh, that's my mama, and he said, "Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know it was your mama." And uh, so we got to the dressing room, and we were talking about it, and it's like, "Hey, the mama had more tattoos than anybody had. The tongue ring, and she was, <laughs> you know, dropping it like it was hot." And so I, I wrote the song. I'm sorry, I didn't know it was your mama. Yeah, you know, so different things, you know, can, you know, you know that can uh, cause you to write a song. Yeah. Okay, you know, back
6: people, know, people thought you started with Tower of Power, but you had an, actually had an album before Tower of Power solo,
5: didn't you? Well, actually, had a couple of singles. Yeah, right. I did. Uh, my first first song uh, I wrote myself. The second song, John Fogerty wrote for me. Uh, then I went to Atlantic and I put out a couple of um, uh, songs. Well, I think maybe just one song at Atlantic, and then I got with Tower Power. Yeah, uh, so I put about three three or four singles out before I was with Tower Power. Yeah.
6: You gotta give John Fogerty some props there because he wouldn't sing those songs he wasn't getting paid for. I, I I was down with him on that. Some people said
5: to me, "Oh, I don't think
6: that's cool." No, no, no. He wasn't getting paid. I mean, he got, he got pimped off for
5: decades. Yeah, John was. Uh, yeah, you know he. Um, you know, we kind of started out together, uh, him and I, Huey Lewis, and uh, yeah, you know back in those days, uh, you know you just basically gave up your own, all your publishing. And the first song that I wrote, I gave up all my publishing, and then one night, I uh, guess. Before I was in Tower Power, I was hanging out with Larry Graham and Neil Sean and all those guys. They were all hanging out. and So people came up from New York and Los Angeles, and they were, you know, trying to find some new talent. And so I met this young lady, and she was saying, yeah, people are talking about you. Do you write songs? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, well, uh, do you have your own publishing? And I was like, no. And she told me how to go down to the uh, courthouse and file and a fictitious business license and have my own publishing. So I was very fortunate and blessed that i learned about it but guys like john people like that they didn't realize that you know that you could go down and you could control your own publishing and uh you know so for years all those great songs uh, that he wrote he didn't get uh you know get didn't get the publishing royalties from it and wasn't able to control his songs but you know they have new laws now that you can go back and recapture that and so i'm sure he's done that
6: you know, some of the places I've been around the world just sort of stand out: Budapest, Hungary; Cali, Colombia; Beijing, China. You've been all over the world. You travel more than me. What stand? What, what places stand out, in Lenny Williams' mind worldwide?
5: Oh boy! I mean, I, I love. I mean, I really like Great Britain. I went to South Africa. Uh, Spain. It's just so many beautiful places in the world. Actually, I was scheduled to go to Portugal next month, but that's not going to happen. I've never been there, and uh, I would kind of like to go there and just see, you know, the beautiful countryside and for the great food for sure.
10: Yeah.
6: You know, some some people knock me for this is my, but this is the way I feel. And I stole this line, of course, from the great Nelson Mandela quote: "I never lose. I either
5: win or learn." End of quote. You met him, didn't you? I did get a chance to meet him. I went over uh, to his daughter uh, Zinzi, and she was also the daughter of uh, of uh, God. I can't think of his wife's name right now, but um, and uh, and uh, uh, invited us over for a jazz festival, and took us over to their homeland and everything, and, and introduced us to uh, to her dad. And it was uh, just a great great experience.
6: You know, Larry Merchant was on an hour in the morning. Of course, the retired HBO Godfather, eighty nine years old. No, a boxing. I mean a. a a journalistic Hall of Famer, and he told me of all the stuff he did in his entire life, okay? That Mandel interview
5: stands out. I can just imagine. So, I mean, he made a great sacrifice for freedom and, uh, you know, uh, know, maintained his dignity and uh, also, you know, uh, was a guy that didn't, uh, um, uh, you know, didn't experience or, or didn't hold on to bitterness, and I think that was the thing that kind of set him apart from everybody.
6: I got a question for you. It's out of left field. Um, I I used to get called the N word when I was mm-hmm. a kid. I grew up in the I grew up in the sixties. I didn't dig it. My mm-hmm. father told me. My father told me you, you need to throw down when that when that when that was said. And right. when my, with my black friends, it was the same thing. And then all right. of a sudden, it became socially acceptable to an extent. What? Mm-hmm. How did they
5: bastardize that word? Well, I think that what the, I think the young kids kind of want to, they want to clean it up and, you know, they want to uh, uh, make it like the word has no sting to it. And so I remember my uncle when I was younger used to say it all the time, and my mother but I would always say, don't say that. And he said, oh, those kids going to hear that, those kids going to hear that. And I, I was like maybe four, five, six years old. I remember distinctly, you know, my uncle, who's kind of one of my favorite uncles, he would say it all the time. And uh, so, uh, you know, a lot of people look at it as a term of endearment you know and then uh you know among your friends and it's just basically the the connotation i think it is the connotation uh that uh, you know that comes with it i mean i could say to you you know man, man you're getting on my nerves you know and um, we're and, and it's just kind of like you know two buddies talking and if i say you're getting on my nerve, you know it's 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 you know it has another connotation it's you know it's almost like hey you know we're getting ready to fist cuff and so <laughs> uh so you know i think it's the connotation and you know, some people are never gonna you know, uh you know, it's African Americans so, you know, some of them are never gonna stop saying it, you know, use it as a term of endearment. And uh and then I guess other people say, Well why can't we say it? And you know, it's just it's just gonna be you know, it's just gonna be a, a, a big quandary for everybody as far as, you know, uh I I've read something the other day that said, Oh, it's the worst word in the English dictionary and I think it's just basically the the connotation and the historical perspective, you know, of the word.
6: Well, some guy introduced me on stage at about four or five months ago at a club, and he said I was his favorite end. And it's sort of mm-hmm. like, you know, I, you know, I mean, I grabbed the mic and I, I didn't show the uncomfortability because you know you're mm-hmm. you're you're in public isn't right. that? But I but I felt the uncomfortability. Maybe am I just an old man now? Is that it?
5: Well, it may be. Yeah. I mean, I was at somewhere over at the car show over at the Cow Palace, and I went to the men's room. And there, you know, some young guys there, you know, that weren't African American, you know, and they're like, hey, what's up, you know? And yeah, did you see that, you know? And uh and but you know, the word has become so generic, you know. And and at first, I was offended, you know. But then I was like, wow, you know, they, you know, they hear it in the rap music, and 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 I understand that they, you know, the connotation was negative and so you know, you just kind of learn to live with. When I was counseling over in San Francisco, I remember I had. A young uh, a guy on my caseload who was uh, Native American, and he came in and he was like, "Man, I got I can I can't, I don't have to, can I stay? Do I have to stay too long? Do I, Mister Williams?" And I was like, "Well, what's going on?" He says, "Oh, man, I got my end with me, and and we uh, you know, we got to go somewhere and take care mm. of something." So you know, so I talked to him for a few minutes and I walked him out in the hall to, you know, to where his friend was. And his friend was a young white guy, you know, and it's like, you know, it's like,
13: <laughs> you know, I,
5: I immediately called my wife. I said, like, you'll never guess what happened. I had, that, you know, American Indian kid, Native American kid in there. And he said, man, as soon as he walked in, oh, Ms. Williams, man, I, I can't stay too long today. Me and my aunt has got to go somewhere, you know, and is it cool? And I'm like, yeah. And then I, had a little short session with him, walked him out in the hallway, and he was, you know, this young, blue-eyed, blonde-haired white boy, you know, so it's like, hey, you know, it is what it is, yeah.
6: The great Lenny Williams on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network. The studio, Jack's line, this hot is happening, 415-275-1613. The number once again, 415-275-1613. You're tuned to the Sports Byline Broadcast Network.
1: That's 800-472-5145.
0: Progressive presents Get Pumped, inspiration to help you do insurance stuff.
9: Hey, Are you just going to stand there and let people not give you credit for being a good driver? You deserve discounts on car insurance, and that's what Snapshot from Progressive is for. So why aren't you signing up? You need music to get pumped? Hit it! Drum solo! Ow, that hurts my fingers.
8: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Snapshot not available in California, North Carolina. Both of all agents.
9: Here comes the decision now. Let's listen.
6: Clarity in the world of professional boxing is spelled WBO. That's right. The World Boxing Organization is boxing's only transparent, sanctioned body. You can follow the WBO on Facebook or check out their website, WBOboxing.com. That's WBOboxing.com. The World Boxing Organization. Done it. We have a new heavyweight champion the world.
2: Now, more of Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez.
5: Clap your hands, sir. Stop being racist. Clap your hands.
6: The Million Seller, Lenny, is this the one that'll be sending kids to school for a couple of generations, or what? Hello, Lenny, is this a song that'll send kids to uh to school for a couple of generations?
5: Yes, yes, that song has just been. Oh man, it has been awesome. It's been. Uh, hey, it's, you know, it's just given me a platform to to do my music and to uh, you know just. Uh, you know, be able to sing all the other songs that I've, I've sang. People, people always say to me, I, "I love your song." Like, you know, like that's the only song I ever done. <laughs> you know, but uh, it's uh, it's just uh, just been an awesome blessing to me and my family for sure. But Steve Harvey loved it. Oh yeah, he did. Yeah, and he talked about it in uh, the King's the comedy and and his uh, comedy routines. And so every time I see Steve, I got to give him a big old hug and uh, and let him know how much I appreciate him. Yeah, he was a very uh, he. he Give my career a great shot. Yeah, for sure. Okay.
6: You know, when I was, after I left the police department, I was a bit confused and hadn't went to work as far as going on the road tv was. but I was working in the early 90s as a school teacher in a jail, in the San Francisco County Jail System, and um, I was teaching school, and I, and I was also writing in a, a newspaper that we had there, and I was of the opinion, I was looking at boxing, I was looking to shake things up a little bit, so I wrote a story that I brought in a magazine, that I did in a magazine a few years earlier, and I thought Joe Lewis was a bit of an Uncle Tom. I said, you know, he stayed at hotels where black people couldn't stay, stuff like that. But I will give him some props when he did those exhibitions. He made sure that black uh uh military men were and, and military women were allowed wow. to see his exhibitions. But I but you know, I just thought he did I, I was of the opinion maybe that he didn't do enough because I know Jack Johnson might have pushed the envelope a little bit too far, a little bit too fast. But did Joe Lewis not, did he not see the opportunity after the Schmeling fight to really do something?
5: Well, you know, a, a lot of times I look at different things. I look at history and how people, you know, get involved. And, uh, you know, I, I would have opinions about people, maybe W.E.D. Du Bois or Booker T. Washington and how they did things differently. And then some people, you know, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. And people say, well, this person was an Uncle Tom or this person, you know, was, uh, you know, you know, the way that they wanted to do it was wrong. And and I've just kind of come to the conclusion that uh that everybody's kinda of, kinda of gotta walk their own walk, you know. Uh you know, I, I have a friend of mine that's a very successful African American and you know, he says he don't look at himself as being black, you know, he looks at himself as just being a man. And you know, that's you know, and he you know, and, and that's the way he, he lives his life. Um, you know, he realizes that hey, you know, if he was uh you know, walking down the streets uh you know in a certain you know neighborhood or something like that at twelve or one o'clock a night that you know you know he might you know people might look at him funny and things like that he understands all that, but when he's dealing with other people or has opportunities uh to date or to you know choose his friends or circumstances he just looks at himself as a, as a man and uh and so you know just i so I just kind of like um say to each his own. And, uh, and, you know, and it kind of lets people know that, you know, that you don't have to follow the herd, so to speak. You know, you can be a Republican, you can be a Democrat, you can be independent, you can be for Trump, you can not be for Trump, you know, and, and I think that, you know, well, you know, people, you know, I think that just like every other American, everybody, Can do their own thing, you know. We're free to do our own thing, yeah. So I kind of look back, look at it like that, you know. But I mean, I had that same opinion back in the day. But you know, as I get older, I just kind of look at it and say, hey, you know, you know, know, every man for himself and God for us all, you know, in a way, you know. You you know, Lenny Williams,
6: our guest, you know, Lenny. But I'm not worried about people looking at me funny in the neighborhood. I'm worried about, you know, about the Trayvon Martins of the world. That that's what sort of concerns me in in 2020. That you know, long after the Civil Rights Act has been passed, we're supposed to all be equal,
5: this and that, and yet a kid can be killed because he has some Skittles? You know that, you know, those things like that, you know, I mean, it, you know, I mean, I have grandsons, you know, and uh, I mean, I have sons and I have grandsons, and you know, you, you're concerned about that for sure, you know, and you just have to, uh, Just watch, I was looking on uh, Facebook today, and I was watching, you know, some things we post about police actions, and and, you know, a police officer stop somebody and, tell them, you know, put your hands behind your back and then, why, you know, uh, what did I do, you know, you know, and it's like, hey, you know, sometimes you got to do what you, you know, you, you got to follow the, the orders, you know, I mean, I, mean I, I think that's what you should do, you know, and then, uh, but a kid like Chayvon uh, uh, Martin being somewhere, I mean, I live in a gated community and my grandson comes over here sometime and you know, the, you know, the majority of the people here, 95% are, you know, are non-African American. And I'm pretty sure that my grandson, who's 17, was walking around in here, maybe because I never saw him or whatever. And, you know, he may be suspicious of him. And so mm-hmm. those are things that are concerning. But I think that, you know, you just have to teach uh, kids how to how to react to those things. Uh, you know, I, like when my boys were growing up and then, and you know and they friends were smoking weed and i would say well if you don't want to smoke weed what what do you do you know maybe you could tell them hey my 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 dad is a probation officer and he tests me once a week and i can't do it, yeah. I mean, it you know you know so you, you you have a strategy to get out of you know certain predicaments you know and uh, so i think that uh, sometimes you have to have role play with kids to teach them about uh, you know, uh, situations they may come up so that they know how to uh, deal with it. I guess Trayvon, it, you know, from what he was saying on the phone with his girlfriend, well, he, this guy's following him and he's thinking, you know, that this guy's going to do him some harm. And this, you know, and, uh, the guy was suspicious of him. And maybe, you know, it could have worked out a different way. Uh, but, you know, I guess, uh, you know, Obviously, they they didn't have any role play around that. I don't think. I don't know if he did, maybe you know, uh, fight or flight. You know, you, you all those things get thrown out the window. So you know, it's you know, it's something that you think about, but you just hope that it never comes to your to your to your doorstep, and you just hope that you know that people come together, that uh, you know, you know, unsuspicious. I mean, I could be suspicious. I could say, hey, if I saw uh, a, a white guy, could he be? uh, You know, a Ku Klux Klaner, or a you know, a white citizen council guy, or whatever. You know, a Nazi, because of the historical perspective of race in the United States. But, you know, I try not to do that. I try to give everybody a, a, a fair shake. And so, you just never know. You know, it's 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 it's, it's a hard thing. It's just a, it's just a hard thing. It's a sad thing. And I just hope at some point in time, you know, that we don't have those issues. Uh, you know that's the only thing I can say about that right now yeah
6: favorite boxer of all time Lenny
5: Williams Ooh, I would have to say Floyd Mayweather ooh
6: okay senior or <laughs> junior I'm just kidding <laughs> uh, yeah right
5: yeah 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 I know he just lost his Uncle Roger too uh, just a few days ago too yeah right but okay. I know I like Floyd I, I, I think you know I mean he never lost you know I mean he came close a couple of times you know what I mean but uh, so he, he never, never lost, lost. Yeah, right. And so you know, it'll be the same thing. Like a you know, probably might like say, "Well, what's your, who's the, the best heavyweight champion?" Well, Marciano never lost. You know, uh, he came close uh, once or twice. Uh, I think it, what, was it either Charles or Walcott yeah, or one of those guys. Walcott yeah. and Charles both. Uh-huh, right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. You know. So, um, but I, I, I like Floyd. You know, I, I mean, you know, he, you know, he seems like he got out of it with you know, with cognitive, of the, you know. Uh, you know, he still got all of his senses and, uh, you know, he made lots of money, just prize fighting. And, uh, you know, so I would have to say to me that, you know, he's cocky, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, which I, I mean, you, you box, you know, you gotta be cocky, you know, uh, some people felt like he was, uh, you know, excessively cocky. Uh, but I guess, you know, when you're in there and it's war, you know, you feel like those guys fighting, you are flying those, uh, B fifty two bombers, you know, uh, you know, in over Germany, uh, you know, they had to be cocky, you know. what I mean, fight, you know, find those uh, fighter planes and stuff like that. So, I don't know. So, I, I know a lot of my friends are, oh man, why you say Floyd? You know, why why not Muhammad Ali or whomever, but uh, uh, or Ray Leonard or Duran or somebody like that? But uh, yeah, that's I, I like him. Yeah.
6: That's funny because I I got to be around both Duran and Leonard, and I spent some time with Floyd earlier in his career. Both when he was an amateur, I watched him lose that last amateur fight over in Oakland, California. He Lost in the Olympic trials back in nineteen ninety six, and he had a uh-huh. nervous breakdown. He was crying, and oh, it was was, it was I wish there was videotapes back then and then because he didn't he wouldn't want that one servicing. But he came uh-huh. back. He won in the box off. Of course, he went on and won the the Olympic bronze medal. He went on to a. Forty-nine or fifty you no know, record—you got to give him some props. But back to Marciano just for a second—you brought up the fact Marciano retired undefeated. Man, if Marciano ever dreamed about beating Sonny listen he better wake up and apologize. Let alone the rest of those guys, because Sonny was waiting. Sonny was waiting, and Rocky knew it. That's why he retired.
5: You think so? Yeah. You know, it's interesting about boxing. You know, I mean, like like the Wilder fight and uh, and Tyson. You know, it's like everybody. You know wilder won all those fights with power, and it's like you know. You know, I understand that people call it the you know that boxing is a combat sport. Well, I like to think about boxing. I think of it as the sweet science, you know. And you know, if you you know you've got a good teacher, good trainer, and you look you know, and you look at boxing as a science, the same way you would look at you know geometry or you know trigonometry and or you know things like that, you know. That's how, that's how you excel in boxing, and and you know you know that's why Tyson you know won the fight because you know he he employed science and and Wilder employed uh, power and and I think that the science of boxing always is going to win out over power uh, if you look at it and I guess if you get a clinical study of it.
6: You are tuned to the mighty Sports Byline Broadcast where This is Ring Talk Live Worldwide. You're inside looking at the world of boxing and MMA. Now let's talk about this new album record. How do how do you release music nowadays
5: in two thousand twenty? Well, uh, there's a, a young guy over in San Francisco, Gazi, and uh, he uh, you know worked for big record companies, and then he kind of got his own idea. He was ahead of the curve to release uh records you know, records, uh, you know uh, digitally and uh, and that's what everybody does now, it's all digital, you know, you can hardly find new CDs, and, um, and, you know, so I deal with him, and I do my music, and then I go, and I, they have a dashboard, and I've got to upload it, which I'm I'm taking the credit for, but my wife does it, it's like, hey, honey, can you help me, and I have to be real nice, and all that stuff, and, uh, you know, and she. Puts it all up there, and then uh, we get a release date, and boom, it's there. And then I put up CDs too, so when I go on the road, people might want CDs, and I have those too. And so uh, and we put it up, and then they distribute it to uh, Spotify and to Apple Music and all the uh, digital platforms, and people hear it, and and it gets on the radio and digital radio stations and uh, terrestrial radio stations, and they, you know, they go and purchase it and uh, download it on their various devices and uh, hopefully you know you get a royalty check or somebody calls you up and say, Hey, I want you to come to Cleveland, Ohio and sing this song. You know, it's you know, it's hitting over here, yeah. So it's it's a it's a whole new ball game. You know, your lifetime partner and your wife, she every time I
6: see her she says, Call me Debbie, but I refer to her as Mrs. Williams. This is a little added respect there. You understand that, right? I appreciate that. Yes sir. That's uh that's old school. Yeah. That is old school. Anyway, coming,
5: hey, coming from school? a young coming from a young guy, old school. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, yes. man. Oh, man.
6: Anyway, thank you so much. Hey, so what's happening in the dog world? Do you ever get another
5: dog? Uh, we do have uh, a, a little dog, uh, uh, Blossom, and uh, she's a, uh, I can't even think of what she is, but it's a little tiny dog. But right now, she's at our daughter's house because uh, our daughter uh, uh, doesn't have a a partner right now and uh, mm-hmm. so uh, she's like hey mom dad can I have Blossom over here with me to keep me company while I'm all locked up in the house and so Blossom's been over there for about uh, three weeks now yeah so who who was the
6: dog who, who, uh, who was the dog that I met the dog that was so famous who was the famous dog the famous dog of what now the one the famous dog you had that passed away about a
5: couple of years ago because I'm big in the dog who was that dog's name oh yeah that was uh, oh my god what was his name uh I'm looking at the picture. Debbie's got it right here. Uh, Max, Oh, was Max. Yeah, Max. Yeah. Okay. I will leave yeah, you with that. Say hello
6: yeah. to Mrs. Williams for me. I love you, man. It's, it's been great. We've known each other since '74. You've always been a
5: class act, Mr. Williams. We appreciate you too. Your, uh, your support and everything like that, and uh, you know, and you know, we don't take it for granted for sure. Yeah. This
6: is "Say So" by the great Lenny Williams.
2: I
0: miss hearing your voice. Do you miss me still? And did you have a choice? Been on pause the whole
10: time.
2: Resume, don't press, rewind.
0: I hid my heart away, hoping you would find it one day. Prefer to keep the hold rather than just let it go.
2: I hid my love away.
1: Call right now. That number is 800-485-6003. We are the Debt Destroyer Network. Any debt you have, credit card, tax, student loan debt, call now for free information that helps you destroy your debt. It's great advice. Plus, when you make this free call now, we have debt destroyer experts ready to help. They can show you how to destroy your debt and get your life back on track. Debt problems don't have to be overwhelming. 877 That's eight seven seven
14: three six zero zero four zero two. products they offer. Increased income is possible using strategies suited to your goals and may require buying multiple annuities and holding them full term.
2: Now, more of Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez. Guess what? It's happy birthday time. My boxing buddy, Ray
6: Ibera down there in Texas, Ray. Arlington, wherever you call, wherever you live in these days. Happy birthday, my brother. Many, many years you are a class act. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide, also a class act. 35, make that... 36-plus years now, our radio presence, the longest-running fight show in history, Ring Talk Live worldwide, comes to you each and every Sunday at 11 a.m. Pacific time, live for two hours on Sports Byline, iHeartRadio and Sirius XM Saturday, of course, channel 211. Of course, two hours of combat sports, boxing, MMA, we tell it like it is. And as far as, you know, today, I tried to stay away from the virus thing as much as I could. I mean, I really could, because that's what's on everybody's mind, and you know, Lenny touched on it, and and Larry touched on it, and this and that. And I want to touch on it. Just stay away from people. Just be a loner for a while. Guess what? That'll work. That's the best way to ride this one out. Be alone, and don't trust anyone, because anybody could have this. A virus is unknown. Until next time, peace, love, and a ton of respect. You're tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. My name is Pedro Fernandez. You're tuned to the Sunday edition, March 29th, 2020. Until next time. Thank you so much for tuning in to Rig Talk Live Worldwide. You can be doing a million things, but you listen to this show. Thank you so much. From the Sports Byline Studios. Cause I love you so